Hello and welcome to today's live stream. I am Jamie from Stillmeyer Games and I'm excited to be here today as usual to share Stillmeyer Games news, to discuss random topics and to answer your questions. Look at that little bumper there. Joe sent me that so that I can include it in more of my videos or more of our videos. Usually he puts that on the Sunday videos, but I've been trying to include them a little bit more in my my favorite mechanism videos and videos like this. Um, yeah, I hope you're doing well today. I hope you're having a great Wednesday. Uh, it's a beautiful day here in St. Louis, and I have a variety of topics to talk about today. A few quick notes before I begin, and I'll try to remember this at the end of the live cast too. But just as this live cast is ending, if you go over to the Man versus Meeple YouTube channel, they will be live playing Apiary on their channel on Man versus Meeple. I'm very grateful for them to do doing that right after this video is over. Um, I'll, I'll try to remind that of you of that at the end of the video as well. Also, next week is Thanksgiving here in, in, in the U.S., not just St. Louis. And so Wednesday is the day that I would usually be doing this live cast. I'm going to bump the live cast Tuesday instead um, uh, because there are you know, some, some things going on around Thanksgiving that, uh, that I, I'd like to focus on. So uh, Tuesday for next week's live cast, maybe even not a full hour. We'll see how it goes because it is an unusual time, but same time next Tuesday for the live cast. Good morning, everyone, for joining in. Uh, uh, good morning. Uh, yeah, thank you for, for joining today, whether on YouTube or Facebook. I love that StreamYard lets me do both simultaneous now. Uh, that's, a, that's a lot of fun, but I can see people coming from both places, whichever is your preferred way to view the live stream. Um, one of the things I'm doing today is Rolling Realms Game 59. The live stream of Rolling Realms Game 59 will begin this afternoon with these realms. We'll have Millennium Blades, Viticulture, and Terra Mystica. So we'll have those realms today uh, at three o'clock central time for Rolling Realms live stream. I'll use StreamYard again, so it'll be simulcast on YouTube and Facebook in case you want to join in. You can just hang out for 15 minutes if you want. You can play along if you want. Um, totally up to you. Also related to Rolling Realms, we're coming up on game 60. And one of the tr traditions that we formed is on every 10th game, instead of playing realms that we've published, I, I play realms designed by fans of the game. So just uh, fan realms that are shared freely for anyone to use. And uh, so yeah, that'll be that'll be game 60. And currently, if you look on Board Game Geek on the Rolling Realms page, you can see that I'm accepting nominations for fan realms that either you enjoy or you like the game that they're based on. You can help me pick which of the nine realms or which nine realms I'm going to play in a few weeks for game 60. So feel free to check that out if you are enjoying Rolling Realms. Uh, let's see, Andrew says that he played Apiary, managed a two, three, and four player game over the weekend. That's awesome, Andrew, three total games of, of Apiary. Garrett says that he's excited for game 60 of Rolling Realms. Um, Andrew says a few people found some of the cards very confusing in Apiary. Fortunately, I think Apiary has a really good appendix. I think Connie did a great job with the appendix that helps clear some things up in um in apiary in fact while i'm talking about this sometimes I, I forget that i can share my screen now so let me go over to board game geek and show you some of the realms that have been nominated so far so here i will show put this on the screen so here is um here's the thread on rolling realms you can see rolling realms for forums variants you can see where i've listed the posts here inviting people to suggest fan creator fan created realms here are the fan design realms that we've already uh, live played, or I've live played in the past. And then you can see, here's Garrett's nomination here, the mill, one good apple. People, I, I've asked people to um, pick three, up to three to nominate. You can see Canvas, Everdell Innovation over here. Um, yeah, so feel free to check out this thread if you want to nominate some realms for the Rolling Realms live play. Uh, George, I, uh, so George says, I, I've been trying to check to see if people actually get notifications for these live streams. I think the notifications work pretty well on YouTube, but maybe not quite as well on Facebook. But um, I've been trying to, like, I, I get on around 10 to 15 minutes early and then schedule it for 10 to 15, for 10 o'clock, basically, so that those notifications come through. And George says it did work. Did work. George, it's fun to see George because I actually got to have a chat with George yesterday and Tonka uh, about... Um, we talked about games with alliances, trading, and negotiation. So that's a, 
one of these top 10 style lists that will be on the YouTube channel in the future. We just recorded it yesterday. Good morning, Carol, Susanna, my coworker, Susanna, Carol from the mill. Um, Dave also says that uh, he really enjoyed Apiary, even though he only scored 39 points. Dave, I know you can beat that score next time. It's for an introductory game. That's a good start, though. Thank you for playing Apiary and giving it a try. Gary says, most of your games take a lot of table space. Can you make some more smaller games? Gary, you know, that is that is true. A lot of our games take up quite a bit of table space. I'm trying to think of the game of ours that takes up the least table space. I would say Smitten for that. Smitten, you can see behind me here, doesn't take up much space. What are some other games here um, of ours that don't take up too much space? Probably Apiary is the, is the smallest. Uh, but yeah, you're right. We probably need to publish a game that that is good for a smaller table. So I'll take that into consideration in the future. Uh, Gary, thank you for. Oh, my mom's here today. Hey, mom. Thanks for popping in. My mom and I celebrated uh, what would have been my dad's 70th birthday this past Monday. Um, my dad passed away a few years ago, unfortunately, due to cancer. And uh, but but it was nice to connect with my mom and talk about how we would have celebrated and how we did celebrate, but how we would have celebrated if dad was, was still here with us. Um, oh, Gary puts up Rolling Realms. Rolling Realms too does not take up much table space at all. That's a good point. And Andrew says Red Rising, Red, that's true. Red Rising because it's just cards in hand and then a relatively small board that also doesn't take up much space. So that's three games that don't, don't take up much space. Uh, Greg points that out too. Bruce says, but he loves our table hogs. Yeah, it is. I, I mean, it, it does give that epic feel for a game if you have a game that takes up a lot of table space. Um, let me ask a question of the day today. My question is uh, related to a post that I'm working on writing for the Stonemaier Games blog. And it's about a strategy that is fairly new to me for crowdfunding. Not that we use crowdfunding anymore, but uh, you know, we, we do something kind of similar to it in the way that we launch games. And uh, there's a company called Launch Boom that has thought of a really innovative strategy that they've tried multiple times. There's a creator, uh, the creator of Kelp, uh, Leia, who uh, helped out with a guest post recently, um, used this strategy. And the strategy is leading up to the campaign, um, you sell something related to the campaign, whether it's like a little promo pack or an expansion for the, the game that you're about to, to launch on the, on the Kickstarter campaign or the crowdfunding campaign. So you sell something in advance at a really steep discount. So say during the campaign, you, you plan on having a uh, $10 add-on for an optional promo pack or an expansion. Leading up to the campaign, you charge, you, you start selling that part of it. You don't sell the game, but you sell that part of the game for $1, to $1 $2, $3, a very low amount, less than what you're going to charge during the campaign. You're essentially asking people to put a deposit down on the campaign uh, for something that they, they could otherwise purchase during the campaign for more money. And you do this, you don't do this like for just a day or two. You do this for a month or two leading up to the campaign. And what they found in this strategy is that it is essentially a foot in the door strategy where it's uh, the conversion rate and the number of people who actually do this are much more likely than to act also back the project. And so this is good for those people. They're getting a deal. It's good for you as a creator because you're increasing the conversion rate for your advertising leading up to the campaign. And you have a good estimate as to whether or not people are even excited about your campaign in the first place. And so I've been trying to think about this. I think it's a really interesting strategy um, that I think is probably a win-win-win for most parties. But I was just kind of thinking about it in general, like, what do you think about it? What do you think about the strategy? Have you ever put down a, have you ever done this, engaged in this, like paid a dollar or two in advance for something that hasn't even launched yet? And would it work for a company like ours that doesn't use crowdfunding? It sounds a little bit similar to a strategy that I talked about where I might ask, I might say to people, if you want this game, you can show us that you want this thing that we started to talk about, but we haven't put on our, on our, um, on our, on our website yet, our web store you could buy a $5 gift card for the game, but it just, it doesn't give you any special benefit like this strategy does. It just, it's a $5 gift card that you can use towards then spending the, on the game later on. Um, so I'm trying to think about that. Is there a way to implement that strategy that gives you a special benefit if you actually do it? I don't know. I want your thoughts. It's something that's been on my mind recently. Nate says, happy heavenly birthday to my dad. That's a nice way to put it, Nate. I appreciate that. Um, 
Nate says, I loved hearing you talk about yours and his relationship over the years. Thank you, Nate. That, that means a lot to me. Um, Ian says, uh, he didn't get the notification on Facebook. What were you talking about at the beginning? At the beginning, and yeah, this is a good reason for me to maybe go back and rehash topics. Because I think if you're watching this on Facebook right now, you can't scroll back and see what I was talking about. I think that's one of the catches for StreamYard. But at the very beginning, I did say that uh, next week, next week's live stream will be on Tuesday instead of Wednesday. And right at the end of this live cast, if you go over to the Man versus Meeple YouTube channel, they will be live playing Apiary. So you can see them playing and maybe even teaching a little bit as they play our newest game, Apiary, which I have right here. I got to play Apiary at game night last week. I taught two new players. It was a four-player game. I taught two new players. I finished tied for last with a pretty good score in like the 80s. But for the first time, I saw someone cross 100 points in person. Also related to Apiary, um, as you know, we, we pay attention to a lot of the posts that people talk about our games when they when they actually get our games to the table. And we have um, we are probably going to announce an optional but official variant. If you do have an experience of Apiary where someone has accumulated quickly accumulated a lot of seed cards and played them all on the same turn, uh, we found that that can lead sometimes, in rare cases, to uh, those players jumping out to a lead that feels insurmountable to other players if they have found a way to do this. I, I also think this is a relatively normal thing to happen in Apiary where you do get a few seed cards in your hand and you play them out on the same turn. That's a normal thing to do. But I think there are edge, edge cases, rare cases, where it happens really early in the game and uh, and that can, that can lead to some not good feelings as a result. And so we're trying to cut down on those cases if they do happen. So if that happens in, in your games of Apiary, the, the variant that we are proposing, totally optional, but also official, is... Uh, one of two things, one combination of one of two things. One, that you can only play at most two seed cards on your turn for their ability, for their written ability. And two, this is probably the easier one to implement if you want to try this first, there is an explore token that gives you two seed cards, which is really powerful. And uh, we found that this explore token in particular leads to some of these edge cases. So if you want, just ignore that, that explore token. Put it under the insert in your game. Uh, don't use it in the game. There are plenty of extra seed, seed, uh, explore tokens to use. So you can use a combination of those two things if you want, if you've experienced this in your games. Totally optional, though. But we are we will soon be posting that on our website and on BoardGameGeek and on the Facebook group to let people know about it. Let's see. Winston says, any progress updates on Magic the Gathering? Uh, Scythe Secret Lair. That would be cool, Winston. Uh, that is not a thing that's happening, but uh, that would be cool. Garrett says, have I played Final Girl? No, I have not played Final Girl. He says, there's a really interesting section about rules, ambiguity, and what to do if you encounter a contradiction that you can't intuit your way out of that I really liked. I'll have to check that out, Garrett. If you can send me maybe a photo of it or something that I could I could take a look at, I'd love to see how they work their way around that. Okay, back to the, the, the topic I, I mentioned. Rocky says, I've seen crowdfunding projects with a discount on final shipping for first-day backers. Yeah, that... That feels like an early bird thing to me. I, I think what I love about this strategy is that it doesn't feel like an early bird. You have months to sign up for this to do it, and it requires you to actually buy into it, not just show up, but actually buy into it, which I guess is the same thing for early bird. But early birds, I think, uh, I, I don't like early birds that only reward people who happen to show up, who happen to learn about the project on the first day or so. Um, but I see what you're saying. I see the corollary there, but it is, I think, uh, philosophically a little bit different. Um, Nick says uh, something, a comment, a common comment that I've heard that he feels like expeditions could have had a smaller footprint, but it would have required easels for the cards. And that is the key for expeditions that we needed those spaces between the tiles to be big enough for sleeved cards. Um, they could have been smaller if we didn't have to work around sleeves, but for sleeved cards, they needed to be that space, uh, to fit the cards in between the locations. Um, Let's see. Um, Milku says, has putting games on Board Game Arena helped direct sales? Not as far as I can tell. Um, so our Board Game Arena strategy is that we are happy to authorize Board Game Arena to put one of our games on their platform if they have a developer available who is interested in it um, after the game has been out for a few years. I think at that point, it's a reasonable time to, to let people sit, play the game on the platform 
because I think a lot of people seem to be using Borgi Marina as a replacement in the tabletop game. There are anecdotal exceptions to that, but uh, by the demographic evidence that we've gathered so far, the data that we've gathered, Borgi Marina is a great way to introduce people to the game and, and, and uh, help them, uh, give them exposure to the game. But uh, but it hasn't doesn't seem to be really be leading to um, direct sales. I'm hoping that changes over time because I, I would love for that introduction into the game to also lead to people wanting to get the game on their tabletop. Um, but mostly I see it. I think people are using it as, as a replacement for getting the game on the tabletop. And the revenue is much, much lower. Like it, we, it would not be sustainable if most sales were through Board Game Arena and not through the actual tabletop version of the game. We want people to experience our games for the first time, ideally on the tabletop itself. I think that is the best experience. That's what we've designed our games for, for that tabletop experience. And also for this reason, this is why we are not going to put expansions on Board Game Arena. So we put Wingspan on Board Game, Game Arena. That's great. If you want to learn how to play Wingspan, you can check out Board Game Arena. If you, if you want to play Wingspan with friends around the world and you don't want the full AI digital app that we offer or that Monster Couch offers, you can use Board Game Arena for that. But if you want the expansions, we're just using Wingspan as an introduction there. So if you want the expansions, you, you got to either get the full digital version or get the tabletop version of Wingspan. I know there are varying thoughts about that. You're welcome to express your opinion on it, but that is our take on Borgie Marina at this time. Uh, Jeremy says, I'd be worried about getting a component for a game I know very little about. So this is about the topic of buying something for a game in, in advance before you actually back the full game. Uh, Jeremy says, what happens when I decide that I don't like the overall game? I'm now stuck with a promo pack. I think that's a, a, a valid concern there, Jeremy. Um, in fact, I should remember that I can actually show these questions here. Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, yeah, totally. I think that's, in fact, one of the questions I posed to Leia was, what if your project doesn't fund? What happens then? And their commitment was to refund people for that early purchase. Um, that could be a bit cumbersome too, like refunding a bunch of people. That takes time and effort. Help did not. Uh, did not not succeed. Kelp is doing great on Kickstarter, but that is a thing that could happen. And it could happen just like you said, Jeremy, even if it funds and you realize, oh, this isn't something I'm really interested in. I think their thinking was that a dollar isn't all that much, but as you start to increase that amount, then you've lost $5, $10. You know, you can, you can lose more and more. Nathan has a nice comment about Joe. He helped me with my last order and was awesome as always. I'm glad to hear that, Nathan. Joe is, and I, I agree that Joe is awesome. Uh, Rocky says these pre-sales can be tricky since we keep getting reminded that crowdfunding projects aren't pre-orders and there's the risk of the project failing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That, that, that is definitely the risk that you might be paying for something that won't actually exist. Martin says, it feels like a Kickstarter for a Kickstarter. Don't think I would enjoy it. Yeah. And you know, as much as I think the, the idea is really cool, I don't know if, I haven't done it. And so I'm trying to think of what would be the thing that would compel me to do it. Um, and I, I don't know if I've seen that yet. So I need to think about that too. So Nancy Jade mentions that the game Altered is doing something interesting and somewhat similar. They are having contests for promo cards and now have print and play versions. So this is a game that, um, that won't be on Kickstarter until I think February of next year, maybe February, March. So that's that's a neat way that they're garnering interest in advance and garnering attention, getting people to actually try the game and talk about it. Boro says, what if you decide not to buy the game? Yeah, that's what Jeremy was saying too. Yeah, that's totally right. I think that's a great point. Um, I'll make a note about that. What happens if you if you don't? What if you don't end up wanting the game or if it doesn't fund? Yeah. Great points here. Yeah, I'm I'm loving your thoughts on this. Let's see. Uh, Dominic says, I saw a post about a person that who created and wanted to self-publish a game, but their crowdfunding camp campaign didn't fund. Is there any insight into dealing with failure and moving forward? Yeah, that's that's tough. I, I do have some blog posts about um, those situations where your campaign doesn't go as well as you hoped. Um, and there are a couple of things to say here, Dominic. One is not everything that we want to exist can exist or even should exist. Just because I'm excited about a, a, a game that I'm making doesn't mean that other people are too. So sometimes it is a case where there just isn't interest in what you've created. And that is a tough reality to come to terms with, but it does happen. Um, beyond that, if it is something that people want to exist, but maybe oftentimes there is a reason that 
they didn't end up backing it. Maybe the art, the graphic design, maybe there's something about the project page, the price. Um, those things can can be elements to consider that you can get, gather feedback on and see why people didn't back it. Not just people on your campaign, but people reach outside your campaign to, to learn why people were not engaged by the project itself, the project page. And the third thing is that I often see is that the, the person didn't get enough of didn't get the word out before the campaign. They didn't gauge demand in advance of starting the campaign. Um, there wasn't enough interest there. And I, I think that isn't necessarily indicative that there isn't ever, that there won't ever be interest in the campaign, but it, it is a good reminder that a creator needs to spend a lot of time talking about their project, their game, their creation in advance to see what the interest is and to make sure people know about it so they can actually show up early on in the campaign and back it. Those are a few thoughts. I have some other thoughts on, on blog posts on this topic as well. Let's see. Um, Convert the Dynamesh says, I'm running a board game campaign, and I keep hearing that campaign split into three sections. The first 48 hours, the mid-campaign, and the last 48 hours. This is true. How can I help with mid-campaign slump? Yeah, let's let's jump over to my, my, um, my article about the mid-campaign slump. This is a tough time, and you're right. Uh, the... The first 48 hours is huge. The last 48 hours is when people get reminders about the project and might return to it. They might want to see how awesome it is then. I have some articles about that too. But let's look at the mid-campaign slump. This is a topic that I haven't talked about in a while, so I will pull it up. So here is, I'm going to minimize this. Let's go over to the other screen. Top 10 ways to address the mid-campaign slump. We'll go through them real quick. Uh, one is accept the things you cannot change. So there are certain things in your project that you that you can't change. If your campaign isn't working out um, by the mid-campaign portion of it, that it might be it might be too late. It might be time to reconsider. Uh, have the courage to change the things you can. This is I'm laughing because this is how I wrote things back in 2014. Um, so listen to your backers. Yeah, get get feedback from your backers about what can be better. What they want what they want to see more of. Don't forget your backers. Don't all only think of the people who aren't backing your project, but focus a lot on the people who are actively currently backing your project, um, and value that asset. Yeah, your existing backers. They are the ones who are the most excited, the most passionate about it. They are your strongest advocates of the project itself. Take a look at your reward levels. Uh, make sure your project page is is optimized. Uh, you, you can you can change that throughout the project. Um, create and pr promote micro goals. Send personal appeals to friends and family if you need to. Um, change your approach to reaching out to blogs and podcasts. It's almost a little bit too late to do that in the middle of the campaign, but it isn't. It also isn't too late. Like it, you can you can still do that. You can share with you can find other ways to share with people that it exists. Uh, I didn't know much about Reddit at the time. I still don't know a lot about Reddit, but Reddit is a place that you can talk about your game. Reddit looks down on self-promotion, but uh, you can try that if you want and run an ad or a promotional contest. So advertising marketing is a way to do it. These I probably need to revisit this entry because I think there are some things that um, that could be done a little bit differently in the modern age. I mean, I wrote that article nearly 10 years ago. So I appreciate you asking about that. I'm going to make a note of that topic to see if I can revisit it at some point and uh, see what I think now about it. Let's see. Um, I'm just scrolling through looking for comments here. So while I'm scrolling through, I will share my chocolate of the day today. I got this at the farmer's market this past Sunday from Cacao. I love Cacao. It's a local chocolate place here in St. Louis. And this is one of my favorites, the milk chocolate with Missouri pecans. I really love that. Jordan said that he's loving the Rise of Fenris campaign for Scythe. I'm glad to hear that, Jordan. I'm glad you're having fun with it. We put a lot of love into that campaign. And I, I love hearing that people are still playing it even years after it was released. Uh, Roland Rate says, are there any plans for an expansion for Libertalia Winds of Galecrest? So I don't give spoilers away on this live cast, but you can see, and I will show you what you what is public information about this. If you go to our website, if you go to our website here um, and you click on News, this is where you can see a progress chart. You can also subscribe to our newsletter, our monthly newsletter, which will be great. You can also see a progress chart of all the different things that we have in motion right now. Right here, you can see Libertalia promo pack. So you can see that where is it? We have completed the uh, the components stage of the Libertalia promo pack right there. So that is something that 
this is the information that I'm sharing so far about what's coming for Libertalia. So something is coming for it. Not a full expansion, but a promo pack. Luke says, any plans to create a multiplayer duet board for regular wingspan? I don't think we have anything like that in the motion in, in motion, Luke. I, I think uh I see what you're saying that it, that board could be expanded for more players to interact with, but uh currently it is just for for two players. Yeah. Hilda says, we like using Borgie Marina as a way to try out a game we are considering purchasing. For us, it doesn't replace the experience of playing in person, more so as a tool and also the occasional online game night if we can't gather in person. Yeah, I totally hear that, Hilda. We also try to use Tabletopia for that as well, that we do put all of our games on Tabletopia. It doesn't have the, I'll call it the, like the intelligent interface that Borgie Marina does. Like Borgie Marina knows the rules of the game, basically. Tabletopia knows the physics of the game. But uh, but we use a Tabletopia for that. And this Friday is actually the Tabletopia release date for Apiary. So if you want to check out Apiary, actually the demo version is already available for free on Tabletopia. If you have premium Tabletopia, you can play a full game in any player account with all the factions of Apiary starting this Friday. That's also the worldwide English retail release date of Apiary and the Wingspan fan art pack if you want, have been waiting to get these from your preferred retailers. Uh, let's see. Rocky was talking about this, the strategy that I've been, I've been talking about today. Overall though, doesn't this feel like the same supposed psychology that you're more likely to go work out because you're paying for gym membership? Exactly. Yeah. And really, I think that's why, um, launch boom has found that this works so well, because typically if you, if you tell people that you are launching a Kickstarter campaign and say a thousand people sign up, um, to get that launch notification, typically only about five to 10% of those people. So 50 to 100 people, very low. Uh, no, no, sorry, 500 to 1,000 people. No, no, I did that right. Yeah, 50 to 100 people out of 1,000 um, will actually show up to back the project at any time during the project. But using this technique that LaunchBoom has advocated, uh, they're seeing conversion rates between 30 and 50%. So if someone has actually already paid a dollar for the campaign, then they are significantly more likely of fully backing the campaign as well. So it is it is same as this uh, this gym membership technique that that people see. Milko says, how do you get visibility on the Kickstarter if it is if it is in the future with a pre-product like a promo pack? Do you create the Kickstarter months in advance? Yeah, uh definitely. Yeah. The really the minute that anyone starts to think about running the Kickstarter campaign, I would suggest heading over to Kickstarter and starting to work on that project page. Uh, there, you can start it. You can work on the project page at any time. You can build it over many, many months. And when you're ready, you can click a button that says uh, that the the, the pre-launch page will go live. You could also have that be live for months before the project itself. So that's something that I highly recommend. If you're thinking about running a, a crowdfunding campaign, GameFound, Backerkit, Kickstarter, that you do have that pre-launch page ready. Uh, it's very simple. It's usually just an image and then a line about the game or the line about the project. Um, have that up as early as possible so that people can click on the link to say, remind me when this goes live. You don't even need to know the date of when it'll go live. Just that it'll be go it'll go live at some point in the future. And you can update that page to uh, to show the date when you when you know what the date will be. Carol says, in regards to the Kickstarter question, I prefer the sign up for a project notification months in advance. And if you do, you get a free gift if you back. Yes, that is something that GameFound does. And I really like that GameFound offers that option. That, uh, yeah, you get a, if you do, if you are among the people who sign up to back in advance, you get a free little thing that anyone who backs during the campaign can pay a few dollars for. I think that works really well as, to, as well. I don't know their conversion rates for that. But, you know, I'll, I'll reach out to GameFound to ask if they'll share that. That data. Um, Marcelo says, I saw yesterday that Botany used that strategy, um, adding expansions and other items during the campaign. They hired LaunchBoom to help and they were very successful. Uh, yeah, that, I think that's one of LaunchBoom's biggest campaigns. I had a great chat with Mark from LaunchBoom the other day, just about general entrepreneurship and crowdfunding things. And um, we recorded it. It'll be on LaunchBoom's YouTube channel in the near future. But I think they're doing some pretty cool things um, over at LaunchBoom. I, I still don't know a lot about them, but I've Heard great things from creators, and there's some good evidence for for things like botany. Um, yeah, yeah. 
Burrow says, Wasabi, a game of raw skill is on Kickstarter. Will you back it? Uh, I have seen it on Kickstarter. I have not backed it yet. Well, let's take a quick look at Wasabi on Kickstarter. Wasabi Kickstarter. I'm not sure. Yeah, here we go. It come up. Here's Wasabi right now. They've reached their goal. We're coming up on 700 backers. And uh, game of raw skill. I do love sushi. Um, it's one of the few times that I eat meat now. I'm, I'm mostly a vegetarian. Uh, yeah, I do recall this is a game that, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a game that came out maybe around 10 years ago. And they're, they're revisiting here. I do love this company. I think they've created some great games. And what are their rewards here? What are we looking at? Standard edition, about $40 US. That's a, a very reasonable price to entice me into a project. I will check it out. Um, I do. I love Sushi Go. So I already have Sushi Go. And obviously, this is a different game doing different things. But uh, yeah, I'll check it out. I haven't backed it yet. But I will, I will take a look. At the very least, I will have it remind me. What are you all backing right now? What are you playing? I recently got to play Scholars of the South Tigris, and Megan and I played a few hours of Earthborn Rangers as well. I have videos about those two games coming out over the next few days and weeks. Nancy Jane mentions that some play folks do live plays during the mid-campaign slump. I like that a lot. Yeah, make a note about that. Um, do live plays. Nope. Sorry, I clicked on the wrong thing there. Um, Mid-campaign slump. Add live plays. Yeah, that is, uh, that's a, that's a great, uh, I, I like that, that concept. <laughs> Sorry, I'm having a little, little trouble with Trello here, trying to load a card up. I'll figure that out later. Um, but yeah, thank you for that, that mention, Nancy Jane. Chad says, not sure if you heard, but John Oliver made a hilarious campaign for the, uh, Pute Ketko to win the Australian Bird of the Century and won. That's awesome. I did see that. We saw that uh, that segment on last week, tonight, recently, and uh, it made me happy. <laughs> it made me very happy to see that. Milko says, do you think it's worth spending five to $10,000 in pre-marketing for a crowdfunding campaign? Probably not. No. Um, I know there, there are companies that do that. There are companies that do this. Um, they're typically pretty established. If you are a new creator, uh, you're taking on a lot of risk by spending that much in advance before the campaign even starts. I recommend many other ways to uh, to focus on more organic marketing in advance of the campaign rather than ad-driven marketing. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would focus on more organic things than, than spending that much money in, in advance of a campaign unless you are a repeat creator with some deeper pockets developed by uh, by previous campaigns, previous backer groups. Yeah. Um, so Ian says, for game night tonight, do you decide the game on Discord? Oh, so this is a, uh, a very specific question for me, Ian. Ian, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, skip over that question. So I I host a biweekly game night. Um, and uh, usually it's in person, but sometimes we ha also have board game nights on Board Game Arena. So you might see me on Board Game Arena tonight around 7 o'clock Central Time. Let's see. David says, there seem to be many, many more code names on the progress chart than in the past. Is that due to company growth planning further ahead? Um. Yeah, we typically, David, we typically try to plan around three years in advance. I think the reason that you're seeing more names on it now is we plan three years in advance for quite some time, but I typically don't put something on the chart until I'm like 100% sure that we're actually moving forward with it and that we're actively making progress on the game itself. So these are all the games that we're actively making progress on. We are not looking to, uh, to sell, to launch more games per year than any time in the past. We're still sticking to the strategy of one to, one to two new games per year. Yeah. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, Chad says, I recently used the tutorial on Board Game Arena to learn heat. Uh, yeah, I like that. I really like their tutorial modes um, for teaching new games. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think that's a great strategy. Andrew says, is it that people are more likely to join the crowdfunding? Is it, this is back to the, the topic I introduced earlier today. Is it more that prepaying collects the people who'd have backed anyway? That's where I trust the 30 to 40% at face value. Uh, I, I don't think so. I, I trust it. I trust it because... I don't know. It's, it's a very distinct difference. It's it's you're asking people. We, we've seen campaigns for a long time ask people to sign up for a launch notification. Um, this is a little bit different. That uh, yeah, there might be a self-selecting group within this. They're saying I am interested in, in in this game, but I think that's okay. I think that I think the data is still relevant, even if they are the self-selecting group, um, because they're actually following through on on backing the full campaign, which. Uh, Everyone else who are also self-selecting themselves as people who are interested in the campaign uh, aren't, aren't necessarily doing that. Only five to ten percent of them are actually back in the campaign after just indicating that interest. Our friend Chances here. I really, really enjoyed Apiary at two players. It's so much fun and quick, and the combos are satisfying. I'm glad to hear that, Chance. Yeah, we often get people asking us, "Do your games really work at two players?" And I can, I really do believe in our games at two players, unless we say otherwise, which we do for between two castles and between two cities. Because we do so much playtesting at two players, more playtesting happens at two players than any other player count. And so at, at, for any player count, I think I'd stand behind the two player count above anything else. But we also tried to design our games to go to scale up to three, four, and five players as well. And sometimes even more, depending on the game. But Chance, I'm really glad to hear that you're enjoying it. Dale says, any fun plans for the upcoming holiday season? Do I take part in any Secret Santa? I don't do the Secret Santa. I think it's a neat thing to, for people to do in the holiday season. I don't personally do that myself. I'm not g gifts are not my love language. I think is one way to put it. Uh, any fun plans? Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing some family, and uh, that's my personal for Stillmeyer Games. We will have something fun on November 29th, so that's when our holiday season begins for the next week or so. Um, especially with Apiary and the Wingspan Fan Art Pack releasing to retailers, we really try to focus on retailers. Uh, we don't do anything special for Black Friday or Small Business Saturday. That is when we very vocally say, if you have a retailer that you believe in, that you support, that is important to you, go to that retailer on those days. Don't go to our, the Stillmeyer Games website. Um, so uh, yeah, that's something that you'll see from us next week where we're, we try to really promote retailers over, over the Black Friday weekend. Alexa says to this, she's really loving the new streaming software. Yeah, this is StreamYard. I'm really enjoying it. It was a recommendation from uh, from Brendan at Out of Our Mind Games. She says it already makes the already great live streams even better. Thank you, Alexa. That's very kind. Wish every creator would take the time to reach out to their audience and take their feedback as well as you do. I can't say that I always take feedback well, but I'm glad that you've seen that, that side of me. I try to take it well. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I feel very fortunate. You know, I, I didn't do these live streams until... Was it 2018, 2019? I was a little hesitant to do them. I was like, is anyone going to show up? Do, does anyone want to watch me talk for an hour? And uh, I still wonder that, but I've, I've come back week after week. And it is something that I think it's worth doing for other creators too. Maybe not even necessarily for an hour, but just pick that a time every week to show up and talk to people. Um, I think it goes a long way. And I, I love hearing your thoughts and your questions. People are sharing some of the games that they got recently. I see Point City. Moon, Zoo Tycoon, uh, Chad's eagerly waiting, Storm Raiders, Steamed Up, Ark Nova, um, City of Murkesh, the Obsession Characters Pack. So I asked, what are you backing right now? What are you looking forward to? And what are you? what's actually on your tabletop? What are you playing right now? My recent games were Apiary, Scholars of the South Tigris, and uh, Earthborn Rangers. I also had a fun little thing this past weekend where we oh actually with friends what did we play this past weekend we got on board game arena and we were we were excited to play a few different games we ended up playing forest shuffle and had a great time playing forest shuffle on board game arena a game that i also own on my actual shelf um oh yeah we had a fun little aside we went to a, an ube themed event this past weekend there's a brewery called earthbound brewery here in st louis and they hosted a bunch of different vendors uh typically filipino food vendors who sell ube, ube is a, a purple root, purple vegetable, rooted vegetable, um, who sell ube things, uh, uh, 
usually desserts. Ube is often used for desserts, but Earthbound also had an Ube beer that we got to try. So we just had all sorts of Ube things and some great Filipino food. That was a fun way to spend the afternoon this past Saturday. Also had a great dinner with my coworkers. I treated um, my coworkers, Susanna and David and Dave and their partners to dinner on Friday night, really special dinner here in St. Louis. It was just, I get, it could have been, it was a fancy meal. It didn't need to be. It could have been us just sitting at a, at a table having a, a $10 meal um, and it would have been just as lovely. But uh, but yeah, it was wonderful to spend time with them in that way. I, I really, really love my coworkers. I feel great, very grateful for them. And um, I, yeah, I just, I, they're, they're, they're wonderful. Dave, Susanna, Joe, Alex, uh, Christine, and the many other people that make some of our games work uh, and make my life my life better, I, I and and hopefully serve you every day. I mean that's that's what we're here for. We're here to serve you. Um, yeah, I'm very grateful for them. I'm next excited to play Twilight Imperium Fourth Edition. Um, so James is pointing at the numbers here. He says, "I understand that only five to ten percent of people who sign up for Kickstarter launch may actually back the game, but won't the overall number of people who sign up be much larger?" Yes, hopefully, yeah. Uh, ideally, there will be a lot bunch of people who didn't sign up for that launch notification who back the project too. Yeah. Oh, here's the rest of James's comment. But won't the overall number of people who sign up be much larger than the number of people who buy a promo pack? Probably. Um, yeah, probably, but. I think those pre-launch notifications are, are really, really important. Like getting getting uh, an idea of how many people are excited about your campaign and who are uh, who are actively following it. Those metrics, those are all we have. Otherwise, it's just a shot in the dark. How, we don't know how, how many people will show up. Um, I think Kickstarter claims that nearly like 50% of people discover projects through Kickstarter just by scrolling through and discovering stuff through Kickstarter. I have never thought that that is true. I think people find out about games in many other ways than that. I know there's some of that, there's some discovery, there's some scrolling, but I think a lot of it is we hear it from a friend, we see it on BoardGameGeek, we uh, see it on, on our social networks, or we see people post a photo about it, or somehow we find out about it and we ask for a launch notification. Um, and that, that we, we go to the project on the day that it launches. Carol says that she just backed the project uh, Spirit Fire and backed the new Witcher game, which used the free gift incentive that she was talking about. Melinda says, I posted some of the art in the Wingspan Facebook group and Elizabeth liked it. Yeah, I love that Elizabeth and our other designers too, but Elizabeth is very active in the Wingspan Facebook group. And thank you for, for sharing some of that art, Melinda. I really appreciate that. Um, let's see. Convert the Dynamesh says, I recently played Tic Tac Slash and Small Time Heroes. Tic Tac Slash is doing a thing where they have four versions of the game, each with different themes. That's interesting. It's a way to do it. I have a different theme on the game, but all for four different versions on a, on a crowdfunding project, I'm assuming. Do you like steampunk or cyberpunk, uh, for example? Which one do I like more? Am I more steampunk or cyberpunk? Probably steampunk. Yeah, I think steampunk. A little bit more of that. Melinda got to play Septima. We're still talking about games that we're playing or looking forward to playing. Uh, Jeremy mentioned The White Castle. I've heard great things about that. Uh, another person says, uh, Earthborn Rangers, Apiary, Bark Avenue. I did get my copy of Bark Avenue the other day. In fact, I got Bark Avenue and Blob Blob Party, I think it's called. Yeah, I'm looking at my, my shelf of opportunity over here. Blob Party and Bark Avenue. I'm excited to play both of them in the very near future. Tonight, though, is a board game arena night. Okay, thank you, Garrett, for posting, for tagging me on Discord. There is a Stumbler Games Discord channel if you're ever interested in engaging with us in that way. A lot of people aren't into the Facebook groups these days, uh, although we still have some very vibrant Facebook group communities, but some people are preferring Discord for those interactions, which I totally get. James is trying to get the White Castle, Sept Septima, the Magnificent, Lorenzo Il Magnifico. Um, he's also back in Pacific Ocean, Terminus and Sirens. Thank you for sharing that, James. Let's see, Julie says, I played Critter Kitchen in a facilitated demo game last week online. It was helpful having our MC of sorts on Discord via audio to help us learn the game and go through a few rounds. I appreciate, appreciated the personal approach. What sorts of demos have you found to be helpful for new or pre-release games? That's a great question, Julie. I haven't, I, that, it's great that you had someone there live to do it. That's a really neat way to do it. Um, but I, yeah, I really like that, that 
multiple people could have the demo up on their computer and there was one person live in real time answering questions and helping people through it. I really, really like that. Uh, the, the types of demos that I found mostly come from content creators. So I think are much better at doing like demos and playthroughs and how to teaches. But for expeditions, I did try, um, I tr did try making some videos where I'd show like a few turns. So I think that is maybe my preferred way to go. And you know, that makes me think that I haven't done that for Apiary. I need to do that for Apiary where I record just a few turns of the game to show you what a few turns look like. I think that can be really helpful for understanding how a game works. I did that for Expeditions in particular because for a while I was the only person with a copy of Expeditions, whereas Apiary advanced copy reviewers had that game right away. But still, the showing like three turns of the game, I think is uh, on video, I think is really, really helpful. Ryan says, uh, is there a goal to reprint the Wingspan Big Box? Yes, Ryan, we started reprinting the, typically when someone asks, are we reprinting it? The, typically the answer is yes, we're already like several months into the reprint. And that is the case for the Wingspan Big Box, uh, the nesting box. Not the big box, it's a nesting box. So the nesting box, we started the reprint back in early summer and it will soon be shipping out of China, out of our facility in China. So that means that we're expecting it to arrive in late December. You can see this also in the wings on the nesting box page of our website. But let's go over to that. So I'll, I'll show you show you what it looks like here. So on the nesting box page of our website, you go to wingspan, you go down to nesting box. You can see right here, we're looking at back in stock in late Q4 2023. So that's late December 2023. That's when we're expecting it to get back in stock. It won't make it in time for the holiday season, but it will be back in stock. And if you do want to know about it when it's back in stock, click this button here, uh, request an alert, and this will take you to our web store where you can enter your email and we will tell you when it's back in stock. So yeah, we're working on it. It's almost there. Just takes, things take, anything takes around three to four months to print and then another month or so to freight ship before, um, before it's back in stock. Oh, cool. Valerie says that her daughter is learning to play disc golf. She asked for the Stillmeyer kitten disc for Christmas. I love that. Uh, I threw the kitten disc this past weekend on, on a few courses. I have an orange kitten disc because uh, Biddy was an orange cat. Biddy's no longer with us. And Walter is still our 13-year-old orange cat. That's really adorable. I, I, I hope your daughter is having fun with it. Corey says from Blue Falcon, I picked up Spirium and Jorvik. Uh, any other games that you'd recommend with the Dutch priority auction mechanism? One that I don't know all that well. Um, I think I have played both of those games, but it's been a long time, Corey. Can't think of any offhand that I would know, but anyone else who has some thoughts on this subject, feel free to comment and I'll read the comments out loud or share them on the screen. Okizumi says they're excited about picking up Apiary at their friendly local game store this weekend. And yes, Apiary's retailer release date, the English version retail release date is indeed this Friday. So you can get Apiary from your local store, your preferred online store, wherever you want to get it. Also our web store um, starting on Friday. George is playing Expeditions. Carol's playing Kids Chronicles and Anne's and Legacy. Patrick says, uh, says Critter Kitchen. Command of Nature, Planet Unknown with the Supermoon expansion. I've seen that Planet Unknown is now on Board Game Arena, so I might might give that a try. I found, for me, that Polyomino games, they don't work quite as well for me on, on digital the digital versions. Um, for some reason, that spatial element I, is easier for me to grok when I'm holding the Polyomino pieces, or even just looking at them in person is easier for me than, than, uh, than on the tabletop. And maybe it's the rotation that you have to, like, tell the game to rotate it instead of just moving your moving the tile in your hand maybe that's part of it too james says he's been enjoy enjoying watching the wingspan world cup on the youtube channel winging it you know i need to check into that i, I haven't seen much of that that's that's neat that they're doing a wingspan world cup um jonathan played tapestry and is preparing to teach some friends this weekend. Thank you, Jonathan, for, for teaching your friends at Tapestry. I am very appreciative of that. And uh, Nate is playing Sky Team. Wolf Dog, says, Wolf, Dog, Wolf Dog says, I want to pitch a coin game to my Tapestry group. How do I sell it? 
Um, coin is counterinsurgency, right? I, I think the only game of this style that I've played is Root. So uh, I, I don't even know if Root technically qualifies as a coin game, but you could pitch it in that way. You could say, hey, here's this very popular game, Root. Uh, this is a coin game. Here are some other coin games. Uh, I, do, I don't know how you pitch it to your Tapestry group, though. I don't think Tapestry is a is a coin game. So um, you may have to use a different framework there to pitch it to them. Steve says, with how successful legacy games have been recently, any thoughts on a legacy version of Scythe? Uh, fair question, Steve. Yeah, we're, we're actually done making Scythe content. Scythe is a complete game at this point. Instead, we have a campaign expansion for Scythe that's completely resettable, but it doesn't feature permanence. Uh, rather, it's a campaign where you're unlocking a lot of new stuff during the campaign, like, in, like you do in many um, legacy games. It's called The Rise of Fenris, and I would highly recommend it if you're interested in something that feels like a legacy game, legacy campaign, but it isn't actually legacy because it doesn't feature permanence. Um, we do have a legacy game, of course. Charterstone is our legacy game, um, and it is probably the only legacy game that, that will release. But those two do exist, so check out The Rise of Fenris. I think it'll scratch the itch that you're looking for there for Scythe. Um, sorry, just scrolling down, looking for any other questions here. Here's my friend, Pete. I'm currently backing Old King's Crown. Really great art on Old King's Crown. Volca, also neat art. And Kalimala, also great art. Three great art projects. Pete, you have great taste in art, at least taste that I share. I, and actually, I should have just read Pete's comment first, because of course it's about art. All three which drew me in with amazing art. Absolutely, yeah. Um, that makes sense. Steve asked about the question of the day. So the, the question that I asked everyone uh, had, had a lot of context to it. So I'll try to say it briefly is, have you ever found that before a crowdfunding campaign launched, uh, you had the option of buying something that will be part of that campaign, like paying a dollar for a an expansion that will be available during the campaign for $10 or $15. So paying much less than the value of that uh, expansion before the campaign launches and then that made you more likely to also, of course, back the full campaign for that game. Um, yeah, let me know if you've ever experienced that. Tina says, I finally got and played Tapestry. What a game. Thank you, Tina. We loved it and can't wait to explore all the civilizations. Thank you, Tina. I really, really appreciate you trying out Tapestry. Um, there's, a, there's a lot to explore in the game, a lot of different civilizations in Tapestry and different uh, capital city mats and cards to discover. Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you had a good first experience with it. Sean asked, what's the chocolate of the day? The chocolate of the day is from local vendor Cacao, which uh, I see them at the farmer's market here at the Tower Grove Farmer's Market. They also have, they have some brick and more loca locations. Really, really good chocolate. This is like, this is my style of, of milk chocolate. It's around 45% milk chocolate. Pete mentions playing Castle of Burgundy for the first time. Um, he's already played it three times on Board Game Arena. That's awesome, Pete. Mint says, what device do I use for Board Game Arena? I use my just my desktop PC for Board Game Arena. Milko says, do you have a recommendation for shipping for crowdfunding? Do you think Amazon MCF would be a great first-time release? I highly recommend against using Amazon. Milko, I would recommend going over to our website. Uh, so I will show you this on the screen. So go over to our website right here. Um, you're having some great questions today, and I'm happy to answer them. That's what I'm here for. But I'm also, I, I am only answering very small parts of a very big picture for you to maybe think about if you're thinking about crowdfunding. And I would highly recommend going first here. So go to the blog, go to read through these crowdfunding uh, articles. You can see before you launch during your campaign about after your project. So you see before you launch, you can expand that. There's a bunch of stuff to learn about before you launch a campaign. And part of those considerations is, as you said, fulfillment. And fulfillment, I have a bunch of articles about that here, shipping and fulfillment. This talks about really the overall story that I've gone through. You don't even have to read all these articles, but I have tried various fulfillment partners over the years, and you can jump to the top of it, the current state of worldwide fulfillment, and see the fulfillment partners that we currently use, as well as a Google Doc of options that you can consider for fulfillment on Kickstarter. I'd highly recommend checking that out. And uh, one of the conclusions that you'll see in these articles is no, I do not recommend using Amazon multi-channel fulfillment, especially as a new creator. Um, the prices can be enticing, but the, um, the lack of customer service is, uh, is 
is pretty difficult uh, to to deal with. Um, sorry, whenever I get a whenever I get a text during a live stream, I think, oh shoot, am I showing something in the background here that I shouldn't show? I, do am I am I not wearing clothes? And I get really really nervous about that. This this uh, text was not about that, fortunately. Derek's gonna get Apier to the table tonight with his local group. Awesome, Derek. I hope you all have fun with that. Uh, Chad says, I designed Scythe around Jakob Rosalski's artwork. That's partially true. Uh, the, the short story is, is that is true. Jakob had created around 10 illustrations for his 1920 plus universe when I discovered those illustrations on a website called Kotaku. And I reached out to Jakob and I said, hey, would you be interested in working on a game together in this world? And after that, Jakob created another 120 illustrations specifically for the game Scythe. Um, that's the full story. Anyway, Chad says, have you done this with any other games? With Scythe, do you think the artwork inspired mechanisms that you wouldn't have found without? Yeah, with Scythe, I was constantly looking at the art and trying to make sure that the game was capturing the feel of this art that Jakob was creating, creating in real time as I was also designing the game. Um, have I done it with other games? I've done it with, uh, with Tapestry. Tapestry obviously isn't a game based entirely around the art, but I wasn't sure about the look and feel of the game until I saw, or, or what I really wanted to be special about the game, until I stumbled upon a sculptor, Rom Brown, who was making these these little building miniatures out of clay, not specifically for for tapestry or not specifically for anything, but he was just he was a clay sculptor. He would make little bananas, little buildings, little meeples out of clay, and I was like, oh, this is the look that I want for tapestry. I think this would be perfect for tapestry. So I, that inspired me to reach out to Ron Brown and work with him for those, those miniatures. And then Andrew Bosley came later for, the, for doing the full illustrations for the game. Garrett says that he's really enjoying the Ticket to Ride Legacy campaign. Uh, and he's really, really enjoying it. And the games are fast. So I love that. I love a legacy game where the games are snappy so that if, you, if it does hook you into playing a second game, that you have time to do that. Um, that's exciting. We have... We have role player adventures on the table. We are really excited to get to the role player adventures expansion campaign. That'll be our next campaign, not legacy, but campaign game that we play. Steve says, uh, we're all getting bumped a lot in an apiary five player game. Have I seen that? In play yeah, I've actually seen that in lower player count, player count games and, and apiary too, because the board scales down at lower player counts. The game is definitely designed to encourage quite a bit of bumping and not all that much retrieving. Um, and that's why we have on the on the the, the docking mat session section of your your landing pad or the landing pad section of your docking mat, where if you really want to trigger some of your income, but you keep getting bumped, you can bump back to the docking mat instead of to your active pool, so that you can then retrieve that worker later from your docking from your docking mat from your landing pad. Sorry, I keep saying this the wrong way um, to trigger income with that worker. Peter recommends the art project. Um, Jethro says, I, I just started a game on Wednesday and did a teach and play of Wingspan. He had 16 people playing it. That's awesome. And four different board games. It was a lot of fun. I, I'm, I'm impressed at your ability to teach multiple people at once. I've only done that a few times, multiple games of the same game at once. And it's, it's a challenge to do, and it probably speaks to your teaching ability. Thanks for doing that. Jeremy says, how do I handle complex games with my game groups? Do you recommend watching rules videos in advance or full teaches right before you play or teaching as you play. I really like teaching as I play. Um, that is my preferred method of, of teaching or learning a game. Uh, usually we don't decide our games that we're, the game that we're going to play until we're actually there at game night. So it's very, very rare that we can say in advance, Hey, like I'm hoping to play this game, this complex game. Here's a video about it in advance, or you feel free to check out the rule book in advance if you want. Um, so yeah, usually it is, we decide on the fly and, uh, my preferred method is to, to play as, as we're learning or as we're teaching. Julie says, I would consider putting down money for a bonus component. If I was pretty certain I'd back the game and putting that money down, gave me the component for a lesser cost. If it, if it didn't, uh, provide a discount, I'd be less inclined to do it. And that I hear that Julie, I think that makes perfect sense. And that's the conflict I'm thinking of with our, $5 gift card method that we haven't used yet. But um, but the, if it doesn't actually offer a discount, then what is it really doing um, to get, inspiring you to actually back the full version of the game when, when the game shows up on a web store? 
It's Tom's birthday tomorrow. He says he might treat himself to euphoria. Would you ever consider discounts for champions on their birthday? This The discount is great already, so not needed. Sometimes we run pretty thin margins with the champion discount, Tom. So it might be tough to offer an additional discount on top of that. Um, I think there is an app. There is a way for us to do this. We have, we've thought about it, uh, but we have not implemented it. Maybe someday in the future, we could do that for champions on their birthday. Uh, I think I, what I'd rather do is maybe offer champions something special on their birthday, like a little, a little extra add-on that you can only get on your birthday. Maybe that would be fun to do a little promo pack or something. Uh, but then also it requires a system somewhere to know what your birthday is and to either send you a promo code or to just know it when you go onto our website, web store. And we already have quite a few interconnected systems on the web store. Uh, we might be a little overwhelmed with apps at this point and, and custom coding. So maybe someday, but we don't have anything like that in the works right now. And I hope you have a happy birthday tomorrow. James reminds me that coming up in a few minutes, in fact, right now, is when the apiary playthrough starts on man versus meeple so i'm going to try to stop right on time now so that you can go watch the apiary playthrough on the man versus meeple youtube channel and uh i will be back next week on tuesday not wednesday because of thanksgiving week. i'll be back on tuesday for next week's live stream all right have fun watching the playthrough on apiary and i will see you all later have a great day